I wanted to begin today by asking you guys a simple question. Do you guys believe that people could change? Do you believe people could change? Do, do you have hope in the transformative power of Jesus Christ? That He can actually transform somebody's life? Do you believe that? You know, when you, when you look at the broken hearts, when you look at the downtrodden, the addicted, the afflicted, the oppressed, do you believe that even they can change and experience freedom and forgiveness and transformation? Do you believe that? You know, as I walk around my community and my neighborhood, I just notice all the different types of people. My neighbors who are without hope, who are lacking true joy, who are lacking meaning and purpose apart from Jesus. And it breaks my heart to see all the lostness in my community. And I wish with every fiber of my being that they would encounter Jesus the way I have. And it breaks my heart to see the lostness in my community, people that are putting their hope in other things, people that are drowning their sorrows in addiction, and it breaks my heart, and I just wish they would know Jesus. You know, as I've been doing ministry this week, and, and I'm sure as you guys walk around and you encounter different people, I bet you anything different emotions probably surface when you encounter different types of people. Some people you encounter, perhaps they make you feel pity. You feel sorry for, them, for some people that you maybe you meet or you see on the street or some of your neighbors. Others, perhaps, as you walk by, Maybe you feel disgusted. Ugh, look at that person. How did they get to that situation? Some people, maybe you feel disgusted. And yet others, if we're completely honest with, with ourselves, maybe some people you even feel fearful of and a little bit afraid. But yet, into our community and into this neighborhood, it is into this world that God compels us to show and share the love of Jesus. And throughout the scriptures, it is so clear that it is not enough for us to come to the knowledge of Jesus and accept God's free gift of grace. And of course, it's true that our salvation is secure and forgiveness is granted in Christ alone. But the Bible is very clear that we also have a job and that we also have a responsibility with the experiences that we've been granted. Here's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. It's in your notes and it's also on the screen. This is, these are the words of Jesus. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled, trampled under people's feet. Then he would go on to say, you are the light of the world. It's kind of like a city situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's what you are, the light of the world. And no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather you put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to everybody who's in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
Do you guys catch that? Jesus said that as followers of him, as followers of Christ, that we are the salt of the earth and that we are the light of the world, which means that we have a responsibility to make our world a little better. Salt brings flavor. Light makes things brighter. You see, salt and light make things better. And as followers of Christ, we are called to make things better. And God has a plan for every single one of us, everybody that is here in this room and everybody watching online. God has a plan for each of us and it involves using you to change your world. But how do we do that? How do we change our world? How do we bring salt and light to a tasteless and dark world? Here's the first thing. Number one, you can write this down in your notes. The first way we can be salt and light in our world is to value people. Because you see, it begins with valuing people. And this is something that we see, or we saw Jesus model throughout his ministry. You see, for us, we are so particular. You are very particular. I am very particular because we are sinful. And we tend to value certain people over others. The people that we deem worthy of our valuing. By the way, this is something that you would never admit publicly. Or you would never admit this out loud. But it's demonstrated by your actions and your thoughts. But you see, Jesus, he wasn't like that. Jesus didn't hold these distinctions. Jesus valued everyone, even and especially those who were rejected and marginalized and outcast and, and those that were unlovely. Those that everyone else despised, Jesus deemed valuable. And he demonstrated exactly how valuable they were to him, oftentimes through extravagant acts of love. And one of the times that we've seen, we've seen Jesus communicate this was when he was addressing a crowd with a series of parables. As you guys know, Jesus would oftentimes communicate in stories and in parable. And one time he said this. This is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. Jesus says this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When would he see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When, when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And verse 40 says, and the king will answer to them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. I don't want you guys to miss this. Look at what Jesus is saying. For Jesus, whenever you value others, he takes it personally. It's as if you're valuing Jesus himself. But you know that there has to be a change that happens in our minds where we go from, Ugh, look, at, look at those people, or to, look at those people, and being afraid and scared of those people, to looking at those people made in the image and likeness of God. 
And as image bearers, those people, whoever those people are to you, are worthy of respect, dignity, and love. You know, this week uh, we were heading to the pantry that we help out every week at the, uh, the Bethany House Food Pantry. We were walking to the food pantry and I came a bunch of, across a bunch of flyers that were hanging all over the neighborhood, um, especially leading up towards the park. You guys know we were right by Maria Hernandez Park. And on the ministry, I, I, won't, I won't tell you, you know, the exact name or whatever, but on the ministry, on the top, on the, on the page, it said, So-and-so Ministries Presents. And then in big letters, it said, Feeding the Homeless. And then on the flyer, it had stock photos of shaggy beards, people with shaggy beards and raggedy clothes and shivering in the cold. And then across the bottom of the flyer, it said revival in Bushwick. Can you guys see at all how demoralizing something like that can be to someone who maybe finds themselves in an unfortunate situation like that? The flyer loudly singles out the group and brings attention to them while, while elevating the name of the saviors, quote unquote, that are coming to save the day, that are swooping in to save the day. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Danny, should we just do nothing about it? Should these people do anything about it? Well, absolutely not. And in fact, we're going to talk more about that in the next point. And we just read that Jesus, of course, said to, to feed those that are, that whenever we feed, whenever we clothe, whenever we pray, whenever we visit the incarcerated, it's as if we did it unto him. What I'm saying is that when we do those things, we must do it from a place where those people are actually image bearers of God. And because of that, we see others through the lens. We see others through the lens of worthy, of value, and dignity. As we were doing an outreach this week, one of our less fortunate neighbors, he came by. We were giving out some granola bars right here on the corner and invite cards. One of our less fortunate neighbors came by to grab a granola bar and an invite card. And we were working with a mission team this week. They were from Alabama. And I was with two, two, of the, two of the kids, the younger, from the younger kids from the group. And, and one, of the, one of the young men from the group began to engage our neighbor in conversation. Our neighbor was walking around with the shopping cart full of bottles and cans. And, and he was noticeably tipsy, to say the least. You know, anyone else would have overlooked him. Anyone else would have been maybe grossed out or rejected this man, or not even bad an eye, not even give him any attention. But you know the young man from our team that came this week? He took time to ask him his name. He's like, what's your name, man? What's your story? He began to talk to him, and he began to hear his story. He began to ask him questions, this young man, and, and he gave him encouragement. And then he asked him if he could pray with him. And when he asked him that, our tipsy neighbor got on his knees on the corner of Stanhope and Knickerbocker to pray to God in heaven. And it melted my heart when this young man got on his knees with him and put his arm around him, got really close, and began to pray with him. Because that young man knew something. He knew that our neighbor is valuable because he's made in the image and likeness of God.
How do we live as salt and light? Well, we view others as valuable because they're made in the image of God. Number two, how do we live as salt and light? We add value to people. We add value to people. Everywhere Jesus went, he not only valued people, but he also added value to people. He served people. He met their needs. Sometimes that meant, you guys remember, you know, the physical healing of a crippled hand or the, the healing of a blind person or someone with a debilitating disease. You know, sometimes Jesus added value by just investing time and talking with one of the people that were maybe more rejected by their society or eating lunch with someone who had a negative or notorious reputation. Jesus went and had lunch with that person. Sometimes it was extending grace to a sinner or defending the lowly and the defenseless. But Jesus constantly added value to those that he would encounter all the time. I want you guys for a moment to think about the people who have been the most influential to you in your life. The people that have influenced you the most. Chances are that those people have added value to your life. And that's the reason why they're so influential to you. Because they've brought value to you. You know, over the years, I've worked with my fair share of teams that travel to New York City. And, and oftentimes, they're super excited to hit the streets and to begin sharing the gospel with people. They just want to go talk to somebody and share the gospel. And they're so energized and they're so enthusiastic. But the problem is that it's difficult to begin the discussion there. And here's why. Here's something that I always teach our teams. I have a slide for this. You can put this up on the screen. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, when we add value to people, it opens up opportunities to influence them. And from a place of influence, we can share what we know. And let's be honest, the most important thing that we can share with them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now listen, Jesus is one of the most influential people of all of human history. And his influence came by way of a humble servant who sacrificed his own life for the people that he loves. And so a way that we can add value to people and to grow in influence comes by way of being like Jesus and serving others. Now, a person who understood this was uh, Paul. And Paul penned these words in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 9, verses 19 through 23. It's a hefty passage, but I'm going to read it with you. It's on the screen as well. Here's what Paul said. Although I am free and I'm not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. He goes on to say, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, to the Gentiles, like like one without the law, though I'm not without God's law, but under the law of Christ to win those without the law. Then he says, to the weak, I became weak. In order to win the weak, I have become all things to all people so that I may, by every possible means, save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. Now here's what Paul is saying in this passage. He says, because you are valuable to God, 
Therefore, to me, I will do whatever it takes to add value to you, to relate to you, to connect with you, to serve you in order that I might ultimately present to you Christ, in order so that I might ultimately lead you to Jesus. And so one of the greatest ways that we can be salt and light in our world is to see others as valuable and to add value to them. So what do you do? What do you do to add value to others? Do you seek out opportunities to serve others? If you do, in the process, you will not only add value to them, but you will earn the right to be heard. And you will have an opportunity to share your life, to share your story, to share the gospel with those that you encounter because you've established influence in their lives. How do we be sought in light? Here's the last thing, number three. We live good values. We live good values. You know, one of the biggest complaints from people in regards to church, to Bible, to Jesus, is that many Christians or followers of Jesus don't exhibit Christ-like qualities. Ain't that right? Now, a lot of people like Jesus, they just don't like his followers. And the reason is, let's be honest, unfortunately, many times followers of Jesus don't live good values that represent him well. And the ramifications of a person who is a bad representation of Christ and his church has huge ripples that can leave someone scarred and have their hearts hardened. And living with the lack of value has caused many people to reject following Jesus and pursuing godly relationships with the community of believers. You know, I'm pretty sure that everybody in this room knows someone who's been impacted this way. Or perhaps you're sitting here today like by the grace of God because you were so deeply scarred and hurt by this very thing. But if we want to be sought and light in our world, then we need to be a people that live good values. And it's clear throughout the scripture that for someone who has put their faith in Jesus, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit begins to do, do a work in our life and their transformation begins to lead to exhibiting qualities empowered and given by the Holy Spirit. Paul paints a picture of these qualities in Galatians. We studied this a while back. You guys may have remembered over the summer we studied about the fruits of the Spirit, right? It's in the book of Galatians chapter 5. I just want to read a couple verses from there. Verses 22, 23, and 25 from Galatians chapter 5. Look at what he says. The fruit of the Spirit. These are things that are produced by the Spirit of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Do you guys see these values right here? Do you guys see the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that super attractive? Aren't these some super attractive qualities in people? Who doesn't love someone? And who doesn't want to be around someone who exhibits these qualities right here? Have you ever been around someone who is just so full of joy? They just have so much joy. Even when things aren't going their way, even when things are rough, they still have a joy from the, from the Lord that strengthens them. It's almost contagious. And you just want to be around someone like that all the time. A person who's faithful through thick and thin, 
right? That person is reliable. They're trustworthy. They're dependable. You know, you can count on a person like that. Someone who has a fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. You know that you can trust that person. They're dependent. You can count on them. And that quality is attractive. And you want to be around people like that, don't you? And come on, let's be honest. A person who's flaky, who's not dependable, who's not faithful and keeps their word, you don't want to be around a person like that. Well, at the very least, if you are, you lower your expectations for that person, right? You just know, at least you're not going to call them for a ride to the airport, right? Because they're going to leave you standing. You just already know. But when us as a church, as a community of believers, as, as followers of Jesus, when we walk in step with the Spirit of God and when we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work inside of us, we begin to exhibit these qualities right here. Man, it would be so attractive to a lost and dying world. And if you want to change your world, if you're like me and you want to see people far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus, then we need to live good values. Let's exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And as we do, may we live as salt and light in a tasteless and dark world. Now, I have a challenge for, for you guys. As you came in, you, you received your, in, you received your uh, message notes, right? In your notes today, you should have received a few invite cards in there. There's a couple of them. Because here's what I'm trusting God to, for. Sometimes to, change, sometimes to change someone's world, it begins with a simple invite. It's an invite to where someone can hear the gospel preach, maybe for the first time. Or where they can experience worship and draw close to Jesus through one song. Or they can experience authentic Christian community. Not perfect people, far from it, but people who passionately love Jesus and one another and are pursuing Christ and loving their community. And perhaps that can all begin with one invite. So your challenge is to invite someone. Use, this, use the cards that are in your, in your message notes today. Use it as a tool if you want. Give it to the waiter at the restaurant that you go to this week. Hand it to your mailman. Or pass it on to your neighbor. But as you do, I want you to consider this. As you take that invite card, I have, I have it with me here. You have two of these in your, in your notes. But as you take that invite card, and when you give it to that person, I want you to remember, the person that you're giving it to is made in the image and likeness of God. That person is an image bearer of God. Thereby, they're worthy of dignity and respect and they're valuable in the eyes of God. When you invite them, when you give them the card, I want to encourage you to figure out a way that you can add value to them. Don't just give them the card. Ask yourself the question, how can I add value to this person's life? Because remember, people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so maybe leave the card with a tip to the waiter at the restaurant. Give the mailman a, a bottle of water when he comes to drop off the mail and invite him to church. Or figure out a way that you can serve your neighbor before you give him the invite card. Because when you add value, you're able to grow an influence. And when you grow an influence, you have an opportunity to share. And lastly, I just want you to remember to live good values. 
so that when you invite someone, that person might see the light of Jesus in your life. That they will see that there's a difference in us. That there's a difference in you. And I pray that that would be so attractive that it will ultimately point them to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I want to pray that, Lord, you would help us to see people as you do, God. Lord, we are so sinful in particular, God. We enjoy playing favorites, but you don't, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give us the eyes of Jesus to see people the way you do, God. And that we would treat others with love, dignity, and respect and see them as image bearers of God. Lord, I pray this week that you would inspire us to seek ways to add value to others, God. That because they are valuable, we can add value to their life. And I pray, God, as as we add value, as we serve, as we encourage, as we speak with, as we pray for, God, that we may grow influence. And Lord, I pray that you would empower us, God, through your Holy Spirit, to bear fruit. Lord, that we may exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, God. So that when we live our lives this way, it would be so attractive to others that we would use it ultimately to point people to you, God. I pray, God, for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would help them to see that they are change agents. They are sent by you, God, to make a difference, to change their world for your glory, for your honor, and to make Jesus' name famous in our community. So empower us to do this today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.